You know that God's in a good mood? You know that? God's in a really good mood. Uh, I feel like that's what he was just speaking to me. I'm in a good mood. You know, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of craziness in the world. But guess what? God is in a good mood. Why? Is it because he doesn't care? No. It's because he sees the end from the beginning. And he knows. He's able to see. He's in a good mood because he sees what Jesus did and he says, it's enough. Jesus accomplished what he came to do. And it's not something that just affected the world back then. But what do we see? We see stories, right? We see stories every day of, of what Jesus has done was enough. And we can go out and try to find that in the world, but we're always going to come up empty if it's without Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we live. He is the reason that we breathe. He is life, and everything about him is life. I, I was kind of seeing a picture of, you know, the solar panels that they place. The panels are directed towards the sun, right? If they're not, if they're in the darkness, what? They don't gather energy. They don't gather life. And so, so are we as the sons and daughters of our king is, is to direct our hearts towards him. And as we do that, listen, every, every chain breaks. Every disappointment, every pain, every failure, every mistake, everything in life that holds us back and limiting us from living the limitless life that God has provided. Man, God is outside the box. He's a lot bigger than we know. I mean, you can look out in the universe, and I've said it before, he's a God that breathes stars. Big stars, way bigger than our sun. We serve a big God, a really big God. And what the world does and what sin does is it shrinks God down to this small little image. But when we magnify Jesus, and everything that he's done, it magnifies who God the Father is. And it breathes life into every situation, into every circumstance, that there's nothing too big for God to handle, right? But we get weary, and we get weak, and we get tired, right? We get tired of of striving to believe. We get weary of, of trying to go through the motions and trying to experience what we feel is so real, but it's so far out here. 
But God will rise up strength from within. And when that strength rises up, you'll, you'll be amazed because you're not, you won't know where it comes from. And it's, and it's very real, and it's a strength that is not of your own. And it's hard to get our, it, it's a challenge to get all this stuff out here, the distractions and all these things, if we can just tune our heart in to just behold him, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it's, it's really simple. I've said it before, but it takes religion to complicate it. They make it very difficult. This thing is just about Jesus. It's about us pointing people to him. Whatever situation, I mean, we need it. We should need it daily. We should feed on that. He is the bread of life. What did he tell the Samaritan woman? He said, living water I have that you should never thirst again. It's sad, but we're a bunch of Christians who are walking around, running around, thirsty and hungry. But we have Jesus, the bread of life, the living water, always available every single moment of our days. There is never a moment that he is far from us. He lives inside of us. He has his being inside of us and his spirit, the same spirit that was with Jesus, if we have believed on the name of Jesus, is the same spirit that we have. And we see it through the Gospels. We see through the Gospels and we see through the stories the beautiful picture, the picture that Jesus painted. You know, I was thinking about that earlier. I was thinking about what would we do without the Gospels? Our, Our message would be full of full of statements and doctrines and it would be full of a lot of opinions but we have the gospels are pictures and stories of lives that Jesus came into and a lot of times it was when they were least expecting it and maybe that's a word for you today that You may not be expecting God to show up in your life, but he is. He's going to. He he loves to interrupt the motions of life, but it's good. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to be something that he's not going to bring pain in your life, and he's not going to bring you through the trials of life. He's a good father, and every good gift comes from above, and if if we get the picture of who God the Father is different from who Jesus is, because the Word of God says that Jesus is the express image, the exact image. It's Hebrews 1.3. It's one of my favorite verses. It's 
written on my heart because if we know who Jesus is, then we can know what the Father looks like. And that's why we have the beautiful Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I mean, you could just marinate and let those, those stories and those lives because, become real for you. Because guess what? God is not a respecter of any person. And the, sometimes the way that we believe and sometimes the way that religion, religion has painted this image of God, they, religion does paint an image of God that he is a respecter of a person. Does he not? Or do they not? I mean, so if you do these things and you live this way, God will bless you. But the blessing that we receive is not of our own works, but it's in what Jesus has done. Everything that we receive is not by our own works or by our own merits. It's by Jesus being completely obedient to the death of the cross. And why? Hebrews 12.2 says that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Do you know that every day that you wake up that you are the joy of the Lord? That you are his joy. And the joy of the Lord being our strength isn't about us producing some kind of joy from out here. It's about looking at him and seeing that he was pleased and seeing that he was full of joy. And when you see him and the joy that he carries and the peace that he carries, guess what? You begin to reflect what you see. It's true. I'm not even preaching my message. But what we behold, this is what becomes real. What are we beholding? Are we beholding worry? Are we, are we beholding doubt? Are we beholding the disappointments in our life, the limitations? Those are very real things. And, and we're seeing things the way that we think we see them. And it's, and it's through the broken lenses and the broken glasses of our pain. But God wants to move us from here to move us from here to where we're seeing things from a different perspective. Because things can look a lot different when you move, you change perspective. Man, our life is not meant to be mountaintop to valley. The Bible says that we're supposed to go from glory to glory. Not pain to pain and disappointment to disappointment. What we're experiencing in this life, it isn't what Jesus paid for. And that's not to condemn anybody because there is no condemnation in Christ. None. But it is to convict our hearts that the life that we're experiencing is subpar to what Christ has provided. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells inside of each and every one of us. 
I'm not saying you have to go out to Africa and you have to do these miraculous things and, and do all these miracles. But it's about experiencing the, the maturity of a believer is about the level of joy and peace that you hold in your heart. Daily. We're not meant, God never created us to live from mountaintop to valley. See, we're, we're like this. This is our Christian life, but I believe our Christian life is supposed to be this. It's constant. Glory to glory. Because I've said it before, but today can be the happiest day of your life. You don't have to wait for all your circumstances. We don't have to wait for all our circumstances to line up. It's available right now. And it's about knowing him. Jesus said this. He said this in John 17, 3. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know me. That knowing, that's an intimacy. He's very real. He's very alive. Our lives don't have to be viewed through the lenses of our pain. There is so much more waiting for us. So much more. It's beyond anything that we can comprehend. I, I think the lie is, and I've believed it, is that if I, if, if I really follow Jesus, if I really decide to follow him wholeheartedly, I'm going to miss out on something. Lie. It's a big lie. You're not going to miss out on anything but those 20 seasons on Netflix. <laughs> you're not, not going to miss out on anything but the hurts and the pains of relationships. We got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired because there is life that is available. Life available for us each day. I was going to preach a message on the leper <laughs> and how when Jesus came to him, it says that he was moved with compassion. The, the word there for being moved with compassion is that it was his bowels. It was from the innermost bowels. You ever had to use the restroom really bad? <laughs> Jesus was so pained in his heart when he saw the leper. We talked about it in first service. Everything that a leper was, the leper was, was cast out of society, was declared. The leper had to walk around and tell everybody, unclean, unclean. And the leper lived his life away from his family, away from his friends. And he was disfigured. And a lot of times he would lose parts of his body, his fingers, his toes. 
And what religion did was it told the leper that the reason that you have this leprosy is because of it's a punishment from God. You know, I remember watching a movie. This, I mean, this is where that compassion, that compassion, it hates, it hates evil. It, it hates darkness. We're the light of the world. And there's a lot of darkness in here. Instead of going to places and say, oh, the darkness is so dark, we should be saying the light is so light. You think Jesus was walking around saying, it's really dark here, you guys. I, I don't know what we're going to do. No, we're the light of the world. The salt of the world. Preservers of everything that is good. Everything that is pure. Everything that is holy. Jesus moved with compassion towards the broken. This guy had never felt a touch probably ever since he had been declared unclean with leprosy. Could have been five years, 10 years, 20 years. We don't know. The story doesn't tell us. But Jesus, he, he stretches forth his hand. And that word stretch forth, it means to cast an anchor. If you think about an anchor, what does an anchor do? It secures a vessel. It secures a ship. It brings the vessel to a place of rest. God is stretching forth his hand, and he's done it. God has stretched forth his hand by the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And how do we know that God loves us? By sending his only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes shall have everlasting life and shall not perish. This is our hope. This is our anchor. What we have is emotions, and those emotions are waves. There's a lot of stuff influencing the tide and the waves of our lives. And Jesus stretches forth his hand in your life. And he says, I'm your anchor. Reach out and grab a hold of me. Because what you'll find is everlasting life. You'll find that living water that you'll never thirst again. You'll find food that will satisfy And it'll be beautiful and it'll be good. And you'll walk in life and you'll follow God more accidentally than you ever meant to on purpose. Because following God is not following this systematic way of living. It's about a relationship that is alive and breathing. It's sad because the church, what they've actually done is made 
God an idol. And what do I mean by that? They've placed God over here and forgot, man, he's alive. He was dead in the grave for three days and he rose. And because he rose, death has been defeated. What's stronger than death? Everything that we need has been provided through the cross. Everything. The joy that you need, the peace that you need, it's on the inside. Sometimes it does. It takes somebody to be that, those battery cables that jump starts your motor. You know? Your heart is the ignition switch for where you go in life. If your heart, if our hearts are not involved and in communion with Christ, in communion with that spirit that is alive, or just like a car with, with no ignition switch, without the ignition switch, you can't go anywhere. You can't move. You want to know what ignites that? It's love. It is love. Oh, enough of that love crap. <laughs> you hear people say that. How can you get How can you get over the love? It's it's love that saved us. It's it's love that brings us life. It's love that was moved with compassion towards this leper and touched him. It says, Jesus, it says he touched him. Could you imagine how this man felt? Like I said, probably not been touched in 5, 10, or 20 years. Jesus reached out, touched him. When everybody else was far away. You know, the religious people of the day, they wouldn't even greet a leper. They would throw rocks at them. Yeah. Can't be near you. Don't want to get unclean. But here's the beautiful and amazing truth. God doesn't just reach out and touch us. But if we read in Isaiah 52, there's a passage in there, verse 14. It says that his vis visage was marred more than any other man. And what, that, what it means is his appearance was marred more than any other man. And I'm going to take a creative license here for a moment. And think this through. And yes, Jesus was beaten horribly. But I don't believe that he was beaten worse than any other person. I mean, I believe that there are other people who have experienced the brutality and the crucifixion in such a way that he did. But I believe what that verse is saying in Isaiah 52 
is talking about he who knew no sin became sin. Jesus literally, this leper that I'm talking about, literally became identified with him in every single way. He took on not just, we think of sin as just the action of sin. He took on everything that was sin. The result of sin is, is sickness, disease, and death, and everything that is part of it. The lepers were considered the walking dead, our common day zombies. And what did we say earlier? Bring life to those things that were dead. And when Jesus touched the leper, says that he was immediately cleansed. Immediately. He's able, in a moment, in a moment, whatever we're desiring in our hearts, in a moment, he'll reach you out, reach out, stretch forth his hand, cast his anchor onto you and call you clean. Because that's what he's done. That's what he's done. And what's happened is we forget. And like I talked about, those lenses that we view life from, the pain, the conflicts, the disappointments. Ah, keep, I try to do that. I've tried to do that a hundred times. You been there? And I keep hitting the brick wall. But God is bigger than that. And it's when we put our focus and our attention on him and we engage our heart with him that grace, grace comes alive. That word grace has really been interpreted, people have made it to be mercy, which it is that, but it's, it's something more. In the Greek, if you look at that word grace, it means the divine influence on the heart. What does that mean? <laughs> that means that God enables you by his grace to walk in an ability that is beyond your own. To walk in life without the limitations. To walk in life, those brick walls that you've been running into and over and over and over again. You surrender. <laughs> Say, I, I, I give up. He's like, finally. <laughs> finally. Because you weren't supposed to do it in your own strength in the first place. Part of the Christian life is surrendering our views and our opinions. Paul even said this. He said, I don't even judge myself. Because the opinion and the view that God has 
is truth. What did Jesus say? I am the truth, the way, and the life. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And when we gravitate towards him and engage him, we walk in newness, a newness of life. He makes us new creations. He changes us from the inside out. We were conveyed from darkness into light. What we have to do is recover our sight. That's what we have to do. Another way to put it is, is repentance. Repentance doesn't mean coming up here and groveling and saying how sorry you are for your sins. If you look up the word repentance, it just means to change the way you think. It means to change your mind. And when we recover our sight, when we surrender the way that we view things, the way that we see the world, the way that we see God, the way that we see ourselves, and we bring it all back to Jesus. I want Jesus to, to define for me what is truth. Not, not my own. Because as long as I'm trying to define what is truth, it's going to be an error. And it's going to lead me down a, a path that's going to bring me pain and disappointment. But when I surrender it, I mean, I mean surrender it all. I, I'm sure we can all identify with the moment in our life if we've chose to believe on the name of Jesus that we said, I got to get free from me, Right? We need to get free from ourselves because we're our own worst enemy. A lot of the, the things that the church is blaming on the devil, the devil don't even have to be involved. We do a good enough job beating ourselves up, and all he does is he enforces the lie. Listen, the devil has no power over you. The Bible says that he was stripped of all power, and he was shown before everyone. It talks about in, in old times they would drag the king, the conquering, the king that had been defeated, they would drag him through the city of the place to where the people had feared the king to show that that king you're, you've been fearful of, that kingdom that you've been fearful of, look, he's stripped, he's naked. No more. He's not going to be a problem. That's what Jesus did with the enemy. That's what he did with the devil. The only power that the enemy has is lies. It's the only power he has. And what do we do? He, he, he kind of he's, speaks softly and he whispers. And when we get out of touch with Jesus and out of touch with being in communion in our heart and being sensitive to the Spirit of God, we let those lies plant seeds. 
They come up as we- they come up as as weeds and thorns, the things that choke the word of God from our hearts. But God has given us good soil, and that's in his son, Jesus Christ, that we can plant everything in him. And that he'll never, never, ever, ever fail us. I know what we're thinking. Well, there's times in our life we may think that God failed us or God disappointed us, but I'm telling you, he didn't. He's faithful. He's a good father. And he desires for us to walk in that life. So it's recovery of sight. Two questions. I want you to leave here today. If you can implement this in your heart each day and sincerely in your heart ask these questions and don't be afraid you may say I already know the answers but do we really first question is who is God okay you wake up in the morning ask yourself who is God today who is he is he a deliverer Is he a redeemer? Is he a healer? Next question is who am I? Who am I? Well, if you've believed on the son of Jesus Christ, you've believed in your heart, the Bible says you're born again, that you're a new creation Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things. I think we have a hard time believing all things. All things have become new. Not some. All things. In light of the cross, you have been declared clean. You have been declared blameless. You have been declared righteous. Romans 5.1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace through God. That word justify means to be in right standing. The reason that we have right standing with God is because we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. And the life that he has is the life that has been offered to us as a free gift. It's an exchange. He becomes our sin. He gives us the gift of his righteousness. Imagine if we walked our lives knowing that we were the righteousness of God. That means to walk like Jesus. That's why Jesus would go so many times, go up to the mountain and pray. Because he had to remind himself, who is God? Who am I? And what would he do? He'd look look to the word to discover his identity. And God would just pour that love. Just (sighs) recovery of sight. See, Jesus was facing 
the 5,000 that need to be fed. And he didn't have many fish, and he didn't have many loaves. But it says that he broke the bread, and he looked up to heaven. And if you look at that word, it means he recovered his sight. He recovered his sight. Even Jesus, listen, even Jesus was, it says, Jesus was tempted in every single way, just like we are. That's what the Bible says. So Jesus was tempted to try, what am I going to do? I need to muster up something in my own strength. But it says he broke the bread and he looked up to heaven. And I think in that moment, he remembered every single word that God had spoken to him. Have you remembered? Are you remembering the words that God has spoken to you? Are you remembering the victories that God has brought you through? I know it's easy for me to forget. We got to constantly recover our sight. Why? Because we have a hurting world out here. We have a hurting world that needs a touch from God. They need someone who will be moved with compassion. Moved with compassion that they, we will stretch forth our hand and those people that have been cast aside, those people who've been forgotten, will bring them into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that's not just a ticket to heaven. That's eternal life of knowing him each and every day. Being free from ourselves we can experience everything that God has for, for us. So know today, God loves you. Not because of anything that you've done. You know, God loves me right now just as much as he loved me in my darkest, lowest place. Same. It's the same. The same love. To me, that just... blows my mind because it's 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 scandalous it's amazing love no strings attached i love you for you god is deeply interested in your life think oh if i follow him he's going to give me a whole bunch of things i don't like to do that's a lie says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Listen, so this is what happens when you behold him and you glorify him and you put him first in your life. What happens is he begins to change your desires. And these become things like, for example, doing this right now, speaking to you, not in my life would this ever be a desire. But listen, when you, when you delight and glory in him, 
he gives you desires, and it's a little scary. <laughs> really, God? You want me to do this? You want me to talk to this person? You want me to go where? But I'm telling you, he'll never fail you. And his promise is sure, and it's good foundation. If, if we try to get our foundation from the world through circumstance in life, it's, it's, it's building a foundation out of sand. It will not last. But if we build our foundation on his life, on what he's accomplished, then no matter what storm, no matter what thing comes in our life, we'll be able to stand firm and solid and declare that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He's a faithful king. He'll never fail you. You can recover your sight right now. So we just thank you, Father. God, we just thank you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you that it's real and that's and it's alive. God, right now, I just thank you. Right now, I just see people's hearts being ignited to see, to see you in a new light and to see the things that we've felt like are impossible. I thank you for recovering our sight, healing us of the spiritual blindness Right now, we just thank you, God. We just thank you for your heart.